Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, and we have a lot to talk about today. The 2021 Team Top 30 Prospect lists are officially underway. We rolled out the first few, and uh, we'll be rolling out all 30 teams over the course of a couple weeks here culminating with a countdown of the top 10 farm systems and then our overall ranking of all 30 farm systems. Uh, We also have a lot of spring training action to discuss. There are a whole host of prospects involved. A lot of prospects getting time this spring season. We'll talk about that. We'll dive into the draft a bit. We've seen some impressive performances right out of the gate by some of the elite 2021 draft prospects, namely Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter of Vanderbilt. We'll talk about them and more, and then we'll wrap up, as we always do, by answering a question in the mailbag. Jim, Jonathan, the time has come. The lists are out. We can stop answering when the lists are going to come out, because they're coming out now. Um, First of all, let's just, for everybody, break down the rollout schedule. Uh, because the way that we do this is to put out each division uh, per day. And this year we started with the AL West and we, we got uh, we got some kudos because of that. Because I think the way that, it, for whatever reason, when you roll something out by division, it often happens that you do the East first, then the Central and then the West. And I was surprised by how many people were, were applauding the fact that we were starting with the West. You, you shouldn't that. be surprised, Jason, because I, I will say, going back to my days of Baseball America, where we were rolling out lists for probably 10 or 15 years before I came to MLB, we heard the same thing. And even before that, so you when start. we did it in, in the issues, no, I'm not saying that, but even, even when we were, they were pre-internet, like I, I started working Baseball America pre-internet, when we would do the <laughs> issues, we would have people complaining in the late 80s that they always had to wait for the National League West or the American League West team. But that's back when we only had four divisions, too. Um, they'd complain about that. And then we, we actually started alternating the leagues from year to year to to satisfy people. But they still – the Western-based fans I, – I, I've been hearing complaints like that for 30-something years. So back then, they sent in their complaints via Pony Express. So, Dude, yes. We, we, we get letters in the mail, people complaining about it. Sounds like it's Jim's fault to me. So yeah. – the way, the, the way we're doing it this year, here's the order. AL West, AL East, and those two divisions are out as we record. AL Central, NL West, a, uh, NL East, NL Central. So we started this on Monday, uh, March 8th, and then Tuesday, March 9th, AL East. Wednesday, March 10th, AL Central. Thursday, March 11th, NL West. Friday, March 12th, NL East, and then Skip ahead to Monday, March 15th, NL Central. And then we start the countdown of the top 10 farms. And the way that works is Tuesday, March 16th, we will unveil the 9th and 10th best farm systems and look at their top 30 prospects list. Then on Wednesday, March 17th, teams 7 and 8. Thursday, March 18th, teams 4 through 6. And then the big three, number 1, 2, and 3 on Friday, March 19th. And then the following week, we will do the full farm system rankings. So let's start with the AL West list. 
all of which, except one, are out now. And that means that the one team that was not revealed, the Mariners, will be in the top 10. And I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. Shouldn't be. So, guys, uh, you each have uh, some teams represented here. Um, Jim, let's start with the Astros, which was kind of a weird one because just as this list was about to be published, we learned that the enigmatic Forrest Whitley will be having Tommy John surgery. Well, we don't know that for sure. That, has that not been confirmed? Okay, we, learned that we, has... we know that he has a torn elbow ligament, and okay. they're seeking other opinions. So. Okay, okay. So we, yeah, we learned that he has a torn UCL. So that happened just before this list was coming out, uh, which made it a little weird to promote, I have to say, because he is still the team's <laughs> number one prospect. Yep. He's the only guy uh, in the top 100. So He's their only player in the top 100. Um, so there's, there's a lot to talk about right there, right off the bat, but also interestingly on this list, I think is their, their number two prospect is very interesting because he's a new name. Uh, he has one of the biggest tools, one of the loudest tools, uh, of any tool on the list with an 80 arm. That's Pedro Leon, uh, outfield prospect. Uh, so let, let's talk about those two a little bit. Okay, well, Forrest Whitley, I guess. The uh, enigmatic Forrest Whitley. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say he's, he's not going to be leading the Arizona Fall League in strikeouts this offseason, um, uh, I guess he has when he's come back. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't even know what to say about him. I mean, the guy, you know, when he's when he's on, he can show you five different pitches, a greatest plus. But, you know, going back to – well, you know, I would I have a pop quiz. Can I drop a pop quiz in for you guys? First one of the day. Forrest Whitley pop quiz. Forrest Whitley-related pop quiz. So he reached double A in his first full pro season, which is extremely rare for a high school pitcher to do so. Mm-hmm. There are four other first round picks that I believe this is. I remember JJ Cooper, Baseball America, writing this. I don't know. I don't think anybody's added in the last couple of years. Four first round picks besides Force Whitley have done that in this millennium. Can you name the four first round picks? Of any, any position? No, no, pitchers. High school pitchers. High school pitchers. High school pitchers. Who made it to double A. So you're going to fail the pop quiz if you don't pay attention in class, John. <clears throat> High school pitcher who made it to double A in his first full season. Two of them are two of the best pitchers of the millennium. Like when we do our various <laughs> drafts, um, we're always drafting these guys. Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw's one. Jason, you have a guess? Um, I don't think I do. Right-handed pitcher. Pretty good Hall of Fame case. Wow. When when we were doing our various drafts of Um, high picks and first-round picks, he was always the guy we went to last year when we were... Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke is two. Now, Now I'll give you clues on the other two. Uh, so I, I'm helping you guys pass this pop quiz. One was okay. a very high draft pick who had a lot of injuries, got traded, and then looks like he, he might actually be something. Had a good 2020. Very high pick in the draft. In a, in a, very, ta- in a very deep draft, he was a very high pick. Very high pick in the draft. He got traded. Now with an AL West got club. Got Cy Young Award votes last year. Got traded. Um, first year with new team was last year. He got Cy Young Award votes. Oh, Cy Young Award votes. American League West. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to just tell us. Dylan Bundy. You guys aren't coming up with Dylan oh, Bundy. And, and, and like the, the, the last one. Man. The last one. I, I don't know if you come up with this. It was no, drafted just, first round pick in, two, in 2003. Came from Defiance, Ohio High School. Which is known for producing guys with good curveballs. Two thousand three from Defiance, yeah, Defiance, Ohio. Made an all-star team. Had a, had a better career than you guys will remember. And and was known for said curveball. Had a good curveball, yes. You guys aren't going to come up with it, I don't think. Oh man, first round pick. 
Well, yes, that's, yeah, yes. That's the whole nature of same, that. Same last, same last name as the woman who how played. Come, how come you chastise me for not listening <laughs> and not Jason? Say, Jason, Wait, I already went over this they, twice. They, but these are just first-round picks? That was, that just first-round high school pitchers, oh, yep. Okay. And, 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 and he shares the same last name as the woman who played Beaver's mom on Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> that, that, that's the last clue I can give oh, you. That's outstanding. Anyone? No, nobody? Um, Billingsley. Chad. It is Billingsley. Chad, Chad Billingsley, yeah. yes. Come on, you all remember the lovely Barbara Billingsley. Yes. No, that that hint did not help me at all. The Defiance Ohio should have helped. So so anyway, Um, I I totally sidetracked us there. But anyway. It's it's quite all right. I got (laughs) two. I thought that was pretty good. The, the, the point I was trying to make was – How did we get here? Chad Billingsley won 83. We're talking about Force Willie did this too. And so when he did that, we thought he was going to be in the big leagues probably in 2018 and be ensconced in the, in the Astros rotation by now. But since then, he's had a drug suspension, an oblique injury, a lat injury, shoulder inflammation, command problems, sore elbow last year at the alternate site, and now this. And if he does have Tommy John surgery, which does appear likely, he'll be – 24 by the time he comes back, which is, you know, he, he's, he's a pitcher. He's still young, but man, it's, it's unbelievable that, you know, this guy will not make his, like he was in double A his first year out of high school and he will not make his big league debut. I mean, realistically, we're probably talking 2023 now. This six years after he got to double A as a high school. Yeah. That's why I think like they shouldn't spend too much time getting other opinions. Just get the surgery and you know, start rehabbing. I, you know, I don't don't totally know what uh, what they would wait for. Like, I, I know you want to make sure, but it's how many times has a guy gone for a second opinion and not needed surgery? Yeah, no, I mean, almost never. I mean, it right. seems like all you do is you you delay the the inevitability. Yeah, so like, in fact, and, we we I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time. I was going to say Kyle Cody, who's on the Rangers top thirty, did that where they tried to do a PRP injection and they wound up having Tommy John. So I'm with yeah. you. So like. It'll be interesting. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, once they, I guess they finalize what they're going to do with Force Willie. I suppose we'll move him down. I, I don't know if we move him off the top 100, and if we move him off the top 100, I mean, you can make a case that maybe Pedro Leon's their their number one prospect. Although, I mean, not that you have to have played in a pro game, but like <laughs> Pedro Leon hasn't really played since uh, 2018 in Cuba's top league. Um, and, you know, I mean, with some wondrous tools, he got a $4 million bonus in January. That's going to be the largest bonus in this year's international pool. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, there's some uncertainty about the bat. Like there is, I think, typically with the Cubans when you, you haven't seen him hit in game action in a couple of years. But, I mean, he's got well above average raw power. He's got the, the 80, 80 arm, top of scale arm that enchants Jason. He's got plus speed. He's got a chance to be center field. They've been working him out at shortstop. Um, you know, he's, he's a tooled up guy, um, would like to see him, uh, perform to know exactly what we have in him. The rest of the Astros top five prospects after Whitley and Leon, number three is Hunter Brown, right-handed pitcher, number four, Jeremy Pena, middle infield prospect, and number five, Corey Lee, a catcher. And I just wanted to quickly note that, you know, you mentioned, uh, Whitley reaching double a his first year. Uh, out of the draft. And not only did he reach double A, but he was really, really good. Yep. yep. I mean, he, I, you know, he only he only pitched in uh, four games, but he, he pitched 14 and two third innings, walked four and struck out 26. I, I talked to a, a scout who was at one of those games. He texted me out of the blue who he was at one of those games. I, actually, a club official who whose team was playing, I think, against Force Willis. So he was there to see his team. And he texted me. He said he could not believe – like, Forrest Whitley looked – he said might be the best pitching prospect in baseball. He looks so good tonight. Um, yeah. I mean, he – like, he it really looked like he was – you know, he wasn't going to make the 18 opening day roster. I mean, they, they – you know, the Astros did win the World Series in 2017. But I think the expectation was, okay, he'll he'll do a little time in double A AA and triple A, and he'll probably be part of the rotation by midseason. And, and, you know, now we're talking 2023. All right. got to move along and talk about some of these other lists. But just quickly on the Astros list, Jim, I'm looking at the breakdown by position here. 16 right-handed pitchers, and I wanted you to quickly comment – quickly, Jim – comment on something that you've mentioned <laughs> on all 16 no. <laughs> you've mentioned a few times when we talk about this list is how all of these right-handed pitchers are, are maybe not all of them but generally are pretty similar 
Yeah, I mean, the vast majority of their right-hand pitching prospects are guys who have four-seam fastballs up in the strike zone, uh, curveballs down in the strike zone. I mean, they have guys with sliders, too. You know, Sean Dubin's got a pretty good slider. But they, they also just excel at taking guys who aren't highly touted, which doesn't include Forrester Lilly, but, but includes, you know, Hunter Brown, who was a fifth-round pick out of a Division II school, or Luis Garcia, who signed for $20,000 four years after he first became eligible, and, like, working some magic and, and pumping the guy's stuff up. And, uh, you know, I, I've been referring to it as prospect alchemy. They, they do have kind of a magic touch with pitchers, and, and that's what their system's dominated by right now. Okay, Jonathan, Angels. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, This list has been kind of trademarked over the past few years. Joe Adele at the top of it. He has now graduated. And so now the top prospect on the Angels list is Brandon Marsh, a good friend of Joe Adele. And uh, he is one of two Angels prospects who are in the top 100. So we knew going in that they were going to be one, two on this list, Brandon Marsh and Reed Detmers. Uh, who is a, a new name since uh, the beginning of last year. And then they're followed by Jordan Adams, Chris Rodriguez, and Jeremiah Jackson. And Jonathan, I know that this list for several years has been known for having sort of elite athletes and uh, a lot of prospects playing up the middle. And that seems to still be the case despite the graduation of Adele. Yeah, I mean, and he obviously, you know, had tremendous tools, and and still a firm believer that he's going to figure it out. We've talked to a, a bit about, you know, give, giving a guy like that a bit of a mulligan for for the big league debut, but it, it is, and you know, it's one of those things with the the Angels for the last couple of years, and they've added to it. They're they're sort of, I don't want to say on the precipice because maybe that's giving too much credit, but you know, if things go a certain way, this is a a, a a list and a farm system that will like will move up our rankings, but there are like there are lots of question marks uh, after those top two guys. And you know, Marsh, yeah, Marsh, I think can really really hit, and it's going to be how much he impacts the baseball is going to decide what, you know just how good he's going to be. And he was a guy when we were putting together our top one hundred, we probably got the most feedback to move up higher, uh, which is why yeah, he is where he is on the top one hundred. You know, and Detmer's. Is the guy they got in in last year's draft, number ten overall, sort of the epitome of the the pitchability college lefty, who who should move pretty quickly through the system. Uh, so he probably won't be on the list for all that long if all goes well. And and every time he's gone out, whether it was at the uh, alternate site uh, at Instructs or even so far this spring, he's been very very impressive. Uh, you know, four pitch mix. Uh, none of them jump off the page. The curveball is the one plus pitch, but he knows what he's doing with it. He, you know, he can move in and out and up and down and commands the baseball well. So I think he 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 should move. The question marks sort of start with Jordan Adams at three, uh, who is, you know, a tremendous athlete, could have played football at the University of North Carolina, uh, opted for baseball, actually has a good field of hit. Um, and I think is starting to add strength and has shown that he can really play center field. You know, had a solid first full year and then, you know, hasn't really played. Uh, you know, he looked good, uh, you know, at, uh, at the alt camp last year and has been playing well this spring. And then Chris Rodriguez is a guy who, if he can stay healthy, could be the kind of pitcher that we start talking more about. But he has barely stayed healthy. He had back surgery. Uh, you know, this is a guy who's thrown nine and a third innings. Uh, combined in 2018 and 2019. So he, he's really barely pitched last year, as bizarre as it sounds, between the alternate camp and, and instructs, he probably threw the most innings in a year that he has ever thrown. So, uh, you know, he's looked really, really good. He's looked good this spring. Another guy with a really good four-pitch mix, but we haven't seen him do it against, you know, a high level of competition or against any real competition in a, in a really, really long time. But if he can put together a healthy year, then suddenly the, the top of this list starts to look a lot more interesting. We should note that each of these top 30 prospects lists is accompanied by a story that you can find on MLB.com slash pipeline. You can also find it on the team's website right now. Uh, looking at the angels story right now, um, 
each of these stories is broken down into a few categories. We have the biggest jump and fall for the Angels. The player that made the biggest jump from last year to this year is Davis Daniel, who was not on the list last year, comes in at number 20 this year, uh, seventh round pick out of Auburn. Uh, biggest fall, and this, is, is, this has been something of an extended fall over the years, Kevin Maitan, uh, who was number 24 last year and is not ranked this year. And then we break down the best tools, which is, in this case, uh, littered with a couple of the names that Jonathan was just talking about. Brandon Marsh, best hit tool, best arm, best defense. Jordan Adams with an 80 run grade. Uh, Chris Rodriguez with the system's best slider and changeup. Reed Detmers with the best curveball and control. And then we look at how each team, each farm system was built. Um, and then a breakdown by ETA and a breakdown by position. So make sure you check those out on MLB Pipeline and also on the team websites. Jim, back to you. Let's talk about the Rangers. This uh, this list is led by three top 100 prospects. Josh Young, third base prospect, is number 63 on the top 100. Sam Huff, number 78. Dane Dunning, number 91. Three, I would say, pretty well-known names. And if you add on number four, Laoti Tavares, who seems like He's been around forever, despite the fact that he's how old? 22 years old still. Yeah. Uh, he's 22 now, yeah. Yeah, these, so these you know, these are names that I think most people are familiar with. Dane Dunning, I believe, is the oldest prospect on the top 100 list. Um, but there's been, there's been some change with the Rangers. They have a new general manager, obviously, and then just their sort of philosophy over the past couple of years – in terms of building their farm system has changed. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the, you know, say a decade ago when they were, when they were going to the world series and, and, and a consistent playoff team, they had a very aggressive, uh, I don't know if it called philosophy in this show, but they, they, they were very aggressive in player development and, and they, they constantly sought, you know, high ceiling players, you know, high risk, high reward types, you know, AJ Preller was, it was a driving force behind that while he was still with the Rangers before becoming GM of the Padres and, you know, it produced guys for the big league team. It produced trade fodder. They could, you know, go out and get, you know, the Cliff Lees of the world. And, and all that worked out very well for them, you know, at the beginning of the decade. But, but since then, you know, if, if you look at the, the current state of the major league club, they haven't had as many success stories going down that path. I mean, the last guy they really hit on was Joey Gallo. And he was a guy who was drafted in, in 2012. Um, and so the last couple of years, you know, it's been interesting in the draft. They've used a lot of their early picks on more polished college performers than the the the, the toolsy high school guys. You know, they took Josh Young and Davis Wenzel, who were the co Big Twelve Players of the Year in 2019, with their first two picks that year. That um, they were both very polished hitters. That they took a pitchability guy in, in Ryan Garcia out of UCLA in the third round. That same draft, they came back last year. They took Justin Foscue out of Mississippi State, another polished college performer from top conference, uh, second baseman. You know, after that is interesting. You know, the last year's draft was was odd. You know, it was a five round draft. Guys didn't get seen, and they kind of went off the board and, and took some high school guys after that. Although one of those, I'd say Dylan McLean, is extremely polished for a high school pitcher. And even internationally, that their top guys from the last two years, their top prospects. Maximo Acosta, shortstop, and Jason Morabell, an outfielder, are advanced hitters. So it seems like they're they're kind of turning a page and 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 looking for some. You know, I don't want to say those guys are just high floor guys because it makes it sound like they, they aren't talented. They they do have ceiling too, but but they're looking for floors to kind of balance the ceilings, if that makes sense. And I mean, you guys have heard me say this a bunch of times. I mean, <laughs> I get. You know, I have a lot of good sources, you know, inside and outside the organization, help me put the Rangers list together. But every time I put that list together, after about three weeks, I'm like, man, I I, I would rearrange all these guys if I could, just because it's it, like, it just seems that they've had a lot of injuries. Um, there's a lot of volatility with their prospects, with, with some of the high ceiling guys. Their, their list is, I think, Dane Dunning aside, one of the younger lists out there, I, I, I believe. A, a lot of super young players on that list. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what direction they take in, in the next couple of years with this kind of shift in focus uh, taking place. All right, Jim, a couple of interesting names, uh, one on the list, one no, no longer on the list. Biggest jump is Owen White, who went from being unranked to number 19 on this list. And then 
the fall of Bubba Thompson, who is not on this year's list. That after being the team's number five prospect uh, coming out of the draft, uh, he was number five in 2018 and 19, dropped to 15 last year, and now nowhere to be found on the top 30. Yeah, Owen White was one of my favorite player, favorite non-first-round picks in the 2018 draft, uh, South Carolina high school pitcher, um, super athletic, had some college football interest as a quarterback, um, you know, super, like he was, he was super projectable too. And he already had stuff, you, the stuff was starting to come. And, you know, it, it's, you know, it's not funny. I would say it's funny, but it's not funny the Rangers, you know, so they, they took him and Colwyn, who was their first-round pick, and Mason Engler, who was their fourth-round pick, all high school pitchers, in their first poor summer, they put them in this deloading program where they didn't do any game action. They focused on conditioning and learning various things. And then Owen White and Mason Engler both blew out in spring training the next year before they made their pro debut. So he had Tommy John surgery in May 2019. Uh, like I said, I, I never, I, I have like 45 or 50 Rangers who are intriguing who I could rank. So he wound up because he wasn't going to pitch it all last year. Get getting bumped off the list, came back in instructional league. The stuff was back. He's getting stronger. You know, he's got the upside of, of maybe a number two or three starter. So that's why he kind of vaulted back on the list. And, you know, Bubba Thompson, you know, remains, you know, one of the best athletes in the system. And, you know, I'll admit, you know, I mean, I, I could easily rank him. Like you can, like Jonathan, you and I talk about this all the time. I mean, when you're doing a list, unless it's a, a really, really, really bad list where you're scuffling, come up with 30 guys. There's always like five or six extra guys you could put on the list. It's just a matter of who makes it and who doesn't. And Bubba kind of fell in that trap. But, you know, he's super athletic. But we're talking about a guy who, who, who's had, you know, various injuries, so he hasn't played a ton. And he hasn't hit. He's a career 249 hitter who hasn't tapped into a lot of his power. And I kind of went with some newer names. But, like, he was in various iterations of the list. Um, you know, them going out and trading for Jonah Heim right before we did the list didn't help. Um but, you know, could you argue Bubba Thompson somewhere there in the 20s? You could. Um, you know, I, I kind of have him in the 31 to 35 range. I, I, I guess I kind of decided there were other guys I wanted to put on the list after after talking to various sources. And, you know, I, you know, not his fault the season got canceled last year. But, I mean, the last season he played, he hit 178 in high A. You know, he was hurt some, but he struck out a ton. And I, I guess I just kind of decided – you know, you know, he's got some athleticism and tools, but it, it's time to start doing it on the field. So if he has a good year, he'll, he'll play his way back on the list. All right. Moving on to our final AL West team, the Oakland A's. Jonathan, your team. Uh, this list has a new look at the top. It has had the same sort of look for a while with Jesus Lazardo and AJ Puck at the top. Puck is still there. Um, due to largely due to injury, still uh, has rookie eligibility. He's number two on the list, but a new number one in Tyler Soderstrom. Yeah, and uh, I'll give a shout out to Martin Gallegos, our, our beat writer, who who did the the heavy lifting uh, of putting the list to, together this year. And uh, you know, it was good. It was time to to make a change. You know, f- quickly on puck. You know, the stuff is really really good. But between the command issues and the injury history, he's probably ending up in a in a bullpen. Uh, yeah, I would think that you know if he can come back healthy this year uh, from the shoulder issues, they're going to want to get some value, and the stuff would be really good out of the bullpen. I mean, he could be you know I think a high leverage reliever if he can stay healthy. Uh, but that's why he you know he he dropped down. But Soderstrom, I, I have a feeling that uh, you know assuming he goes out and plays and. You know, things are relatively normal in the minor leagues. You know, he's going to hit his way onto the top 100. Uh, he was one of the best high school bats in last year's draft class, left-handed hitter, uh, showed really, really well uh, at the alternate site as, you know, one of the youngest players there, uh, hitting well uh, in spring training now. It, it just, you know, you, you don't want to make too much of the sort of son of a former big leaguer uh, and his dad, Steve Soderstrom, you know, pitched in the big leagues. But uh, you know he he just has a an advanced feel, especially for for a high school hitter, and I think the bat it would allow him to to move relatively quickly, and that I think will lead to the larger question about his trajectory. Uh, you know, the catching is not as good. He's got a strong arm. Uh, the A's did like the progress he made. You know, one of the best things about being at the alternate site is he caught you know high end. We're talking double, triple A, and and big league caliber pitching, which he, he'd never done before, even in bullpens. 
that you know was exceedingly helpful. And he made some really good strides where I think there's less concern within the organization about whether he can catch. Now, the question will be, do they want to let him continue to work on that if it's going to hold up the bat moving? I, you know, it, it could be similar to kind of like Will Myers, who caught for a full year with the Royals before they moved him out. And, and I think he probably would have been okay. And, and uh, Soderstrom is pretty athletic, not maybe as athletic as Will Myers, but he, he's pretty athletic. He could handle playing third base or, or probably even left field. He's done both of those things, you know, uh, as an amateur. Uh, so if they want the bat to move faster, because it would, they could do that. But I do, you know, they do think he has the ingredients to be a, a bat first catcher. And this is a guy who, you know, has got a plus hit tool and has a chance to have at least average power. Two things I wanted to throw in here real quick um, about the AL West before we move on is, is, is one, Jonathan, that dilemma always fascinates me. And I think in most cases, I would bet on the bat. I would rather have the guy hit and maximize his bat than have him catch. So do you have a general philosophy on, on that? Do you lean one way or the other? On, I'm sorry, say that again. On the Soderstroms of the world who, you know, are these really good hitters and they may or may not be able to catch and you can expedite the bat and get the most out of it by putting him in another position or you could try to have him catch and it slows down his progression and it takes a toll on his bat. I I, I tend to lean towards, if it were me, I know the A's, maybe the A's are one thing. I'd, I'd put him at third base right now. Yeah, um, well, I could tell by the way you framed the question yeah. that that's the way you were well, leaning. But that was that way with Schwarber was another one. I, I just always think, like, like I, I, don't, I do, I think, with Bo Naylor with the Indians, who's been good defensively. I, I, I just lean that way on those guys. I, you know, I, I don't. Yep. I, you know, I think I, I would at least give him, you know, I think the Will Myers, the way they did that would be the way I would do it. I, I don't like it when they – unless you know for certain, like there's no way we think he can catch, then move him right away. You know, um, you know, could Bryce Harper have figured out how to catch? Maybe, but, you know, that that that's an outlier just because he, you know, he was so ridiculous in, in terms of the hidden power. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is Will Myers in his first full year played across two levels of A-ball and hit at both of them while catching. And it was then they made a determination. Okay, well, clearly the bat is going to get him to the big leagues really, really quickly. Um, how far is he advanced with the defense? If it's not enough, then okay, move him. And that's what the Royals, you know, that's what ended up happening. Uh, and and he continued to to move quickly. But the the fact that his glove was behind didn't keep him from earning a, a, a promotion, you know, across an extra level. And if if you if you have a high school guy who plays, you know across two levels of A ball and is ready for double A in his second full season, I think that's fine. So I would let him catch at least for a full year. Um, you know, it sounds like they like the the progress he's made and he's kind of bought into the idea of really working behind there. Because if you can get that kind of bat behind the plate, obviously now you're talking about a a, a, a really special kind of, of player. So I, I think I would give him the opportunity to do it. If he had gone on to college – you know, he, he might have come out three years from now as, you know, uh, you know, think about some of the better college catching bats that have come out. You know, Joey Bart, you know, I'm not going to say he's Adley Rutschman, but, you know, uh, that kind of player. And, and if you can get that kind of player, then I, I think you give it at least a little bit of time. Okay. Yeah, I would be all in on the bat. And then my other point I want to make real quick about the division is that I don't think there's any team in any division whose farm system – stands above the rest of the division like the Mariners do, because without giving away our farm system rankings, three of the six lowest ranked farm systems are in the AL West and the Mariners have a loaded system. And I, you know, it just, that, that just interested me. It jumped out when I was looking at the AL West that I do think from a farm system standpoint, the Mariners have a greater advantage over the rest of their division than any other team does. And now we're going to move ahead and quickly talk about a division that is on the opposite side of that spectrum, the AL East, uh, as we're rolling out the non-top 10, top 30 list, there are only two, the Red Sox and the Yankees, which means that the Rays, the Jays, and the Orioles will account for three of the top 10 farm systems when we count them down next week. Uh, quickly, guys, I guess, Jim, both of these, your teams, uh, Yankees and Red Sox. Uh, I think from 2005 up until, I'm, I'm sorry, 2015 up until 2019, 
either one or both of those teams uh, were at all times in our top 10 rankings. Uh, one of them was in the top 10. And now this will be, I think, the one, two, three, four, the fifth list now where neither one is in the top 10. Um, but the Yankees list is obviously now highlighted by uh, Jason Dominguez. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think the reason you, you've seen that shift is that you know, going back to 2015, the Red Sox were rebuilding. They were putting together a farm system that wound up paying off with a World Series championship, both with homegrown players and guys they traded. Um, and then, you know, in the constant, you know, when you win, you aren't picking as high. You don't have as much money to spend internationally. You're trading prospects for veterans. And they got caught up in that. And now their system's rebuilding. And the same thing with the Yankees. I think it was what was it 2016, the year where they were not really in contention and, and they went and they, they traded and they, they got, uh, you know, they, it was what Carlos Beltran they traded and they traded um, Andrew Miller and they traded a role as Chapman and they were, they were making deals and, and building up the farm system. And again, as they started to win again, they haven't won a world series, but they've been picking at the bottom of the draft. They forfeited two picks last year for signing Garrett Cole. So I, I think it's just, you know, a lot of times these rankings are cyclical and it was a rare time when both those franchises were really kind of rebuilding their system, which is something they don't generally do because it's, it's kind of a, a constant battle for contention with those two. But, you know, with, with the Yankees specifically with Jason Dominguez, you know, again, I mean, the most hyped international prospect, maybe the most tooled up international prospect I can remember. I, I think he's going to be, you know, I think even more so than Spectre Torkelson, just from talking to people in baseball, I don't know if you get this sense, Jonathan, I, I think, Jason Dominguez's pro debut is the most highly anticipated pro debut of 2021 in, in baseball. What do you think? Oh yeah, I know. I think without question, because you know he's he's you know Moby Dick. You know, like it's we, we've never seen him. Like it just is. It's mythical almost at this point. Um, and so you're either like really really excited, or even if you're skeptical. You want to see what the what the fuss is all about. It's not, you know, with Torkelson, you know, yeah, he hasn't played, but we did see him in college. And, you, and even you saw him at, at all camp and instructional league. Like with Dominguez, nobody got to see him at either one of those things because Yankees didn't they didn't bring him to all camp, to the alternate site because he, he hadn't made his pro debut yet. And then they didn't have instructional league. So literally outside of whatever, you know, if there's, you know, video circulating from – the, the Dominican, there, there's, you didn't get to you stumble upon him in instructional league last fall. Right. I think the last time we saw him was when he was defeating Thanos. And we've, we've, he's already got the nick, he's got the nickname, the sweet nickname, the Martian, but Moby Dick Dominguez has a, a nice way. <laughs> they should put him in Space Jam. He should be, he should be in the new Space Jam. He, he should be the one taking on LeBron. So neither of these teams will be in the top 10, but neither top 30 list is is bereft of talent by, by any means. The Yankees have two top 100 prospects at the top of their list in Jason Dominguez and Clark Schmidt. And the Red Sox have three top 100 prospects at the top of their top 30 list in Tristan Casas, Jeter Downs, and Bobby Dahlbeck. I think I was going to say, Jason, I I think they're both middle of the pack systems and they have guys like, I know the Red Sox are really excited about Jaron Duran as a guy who could break through this year. The Yankees have the, you know, Luis Medina, who's got crazy stuff, who may have had a breakthrough in winter ball this year. So I I think both those systems are in the upswing. All right. We do have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at some of uh, the game's top prospects, how they're faring in spring training so far. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline podcast. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. 
Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Uh, we're talking team top 30 prospects list. Jim and Jonathan have been very busy with that, so much so that they've hardly had any time to watch any actual spring training action. But there are a bunch of prospects playing in spring training right now, and we're going to talk about some of them. Gents, Pipeline Podcast pop quiz number two of the day. Of the 60 top 100 prospects who are hitters, how many have had a plate appearance so far in spring training? 43. I'll take the over. You would be correct to take the over. The number is 49. So we've seen all but 11 of the top 100 Mm. hitters uh, in spring training action. And They've fared so-so. If you look at the entire list, um, they have hit 251 with an on-base percentage of 335, slugging percentage of 442, and an OPS of 777. 17 home runs and 391 at-bats. If you look at just the guys in the top 25 overall, though, these guys have been pretty good. Um, look at, you know, and these are all obviously small sample sizes that's understood, but all combined, they've, they've looked pretty good. Um, uh, Jonathan wants to know where I'm getting these stats. I'll, I'll share. Yeah, man. I'll share. Is it MLB farm? Well, I, you know, here's the thing. MLB farm does have these stats up, but they're, they're still displaying the 20 off the 2020 list since the 2021 team lists are not out yet. Gotcha. So I, I, had, I had to put these together uh, by hand. Wow. Yeah. So I, I didn't want to share. I didn't want to share these stats with you before I I quiz before the pop quiz. Yeah. I appreciate that. But so we have Wander Franco, who has gone four for ten with a home run, a monster uh, home run, a monstrous home run. We have, speaking of monster home runs, Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, has posted an OPS of 1.095, has two home runs in 17 at-bats, six hits, two home runs, the last of which was a 484-foot bomb. Uh, You've got Cabrian Hayes off to a hot start, five hits and 12 at-bats, 1.295 OPS. Another guy with an OPS over 1,000 is J.J. Bladé. And then Joey Bart off to a good start, five for eight with a home run. Um... And so, you know, the top guy, the, the really top guys, top 25 overall, uh, they've combined to post an OPS of 877 and have seven home runs in 155 at-bats. So not bad. Jason, I, I know Harold Reynolds is a big fan of our podcast. Could you tell us how Randy Rosarena is performing in spring training, please? Sure. Baseball's number one prospect in Harold's eyes uh, is two for 10. Oh, move him down. Take him off the list. It's two all about numbers. Two strikeouts and no walks. Got to take yeah. uh, no walks. He's got. He's. We got to take him off the list. Because we I think just drop him right off the list, right? That's yes. right. Zero percent walk rate. You're not going to be able to sustain big league success with that. So it's a large enough sample size. I think I agree. Yeah. So those are the hitters. The pitchers are interesting. Um, starting with the top two, Mackenzie Gore and Casey Mize. They've had kind of uh, similar outings. Casey Mize has done this twice. He's pitched two innings and walked three. Um, Mackenzie Gore, in his one outing, pitched two innings and walked three. Neither of them allowing a hit nor a run in those outings. So uh, pretty interesting how similar those outings have been for those two guys. Uh, But the top 10 pitchers. Now this, I I have to say, this is working off of, I just pulled these stats off of uh, Darren Willman's uh, stat page, which, as I mentioned, is still working off of the 2020 top 100 list but of the top 10 pitchers from that list 
that have pitched so far in spring training, they've gone a combined 18 innings and allowed just one earned run while striking out 21, uh, but with 12 walks. Uh, but yeah, some pretty impressive performances by the top of the line pitching prospects so far. Well, I mean, aren't pitchers usually ahead of hitters at the beginning of spring training? That is that is the age old the adage. Adage, um, yeah. But it, I mean, it's fun just to see you know some of these guys. Yeah, you know, I, and like you said, we I haven't been sitting down and watching games, but seeing some of the video, you know, Bob, Bobby Witt looks very very comfortable in big league camp. Not that that should surprise anybody. Uh, he he's always sort of carried himself that way, and I think he always feels he belongs. I bet if you were to ask him right now, he would say that he's there trying to earn a spot in the big league roster, even if he knows that's not going to happen. Um, but I will be very curious to see how quickly he can move through through the Royals uh, system and get and get up to to Kansas City. But he he has his swing has looked really really good. He's been on time. Uh, the power is is real, and uh, he is one of those guys that's just fun to watch play because he loves playing so much. Jonathan, I know there's a non top 100 prospect that has caught your eye. Was that? Are you teeing me up to to talk about Jordan Adams? No, but I just called. I just called Jim Jonathan. <laughs> I was like, huh. say, I was like, uh, I don't. I, I can talk about Jordan Adams. Hit a ball with the batter's eye. Adams, but we'll, we'll move on. So you're, you're you're directing that to me, even though you're calling me. I'll call you Danny then, Jason. But, uh, <laughs> in, in honor of our producer, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I was you know, and I touched on it briefly when we were briefly touching on the Red Sox and, and Yankees top thirty list. You know, Jaron Duran is a guy I'm really interested to see how he performs this year because he's his performance has been you know mostly good but you know so anyway seventh round pick out of Long Beach State unheralded guy has a really strong pro debut then he goes and hits 387 in high class A in the, at the beginning of 2019 he appears in the futures game which we're going to call a record for lowest draft pick to appear in the futures game his first full pro year but then he went to Double A and really struggled in 2019. So he doesn't play in 2020 um, because there were it was no minor league season, but the Red Sox were, were were just very excited by some changes he made at their alternate site. Um, they got some, you know, he, he's a speed guy. He's a 70 runner, well above average speed, and they added some loft to his swing. They thought he had some raw pop. They started using his legs more in his swing, and there's and the Red Sox think like they might have a, a guy who you know has got 70 speed, but also 20 home run potential on their hands. He goes to winter ball. Plays well in Puerto Rico. He's the MVP of the Puerto Rican playoffs. He tears up the Caribbean series. And again, I mean, it, it's spring training. The stats don't mean a ton, especially a very small sample size of stats. But he's already off to a really good start. You know, five for 11, two doubles, two homers. He's driving the ball for what it's worth in, in 11 spring training plate appearances. And I'm really curious to see. You know, you know, it, it, you know, what kind of Jaron Duran are we going to see this year? You know, if he if he keeps this up, you know, the Red Sox have traded away their whole World Series outfield, or, or Jackie Bradley Jr. left as a free agent. We might see Jaron Duran in their outfield before too long. Like, like I think he's a possible midseason addition if this new Jaron Duran is for real. There's a real nice story by John Paul Morosi on MLB Pipeline. Uh, about Jaron Duran as well, who, who I did not realize when in high school was uh, five foot six and uh, and uh, was hoping to be a Navy SEAL at one point. Uh, good story by JP up on MLB Pipeline right now. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to shift our focus to the 2021 draft. We'll be back right after this. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you, based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. 
Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. And we're going to talk about the 2021 draft class a little bit with the college season underway. And some of the biggest names at the top of the list have already been uh, turning heads. Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, the Vanderbilt duo, has uh, been pretty impressive so far. Uh facing maybe not the best competition, uh, but they have certainly been generating a lot of interest. Um, Jim, you think maybe a little too much or getting hyped a little too much anyway? No, I wouldn't say overhyped. I, I do think, I mean, we, we've talked about this. And it feels like we're always like poo-pooing a little bit. I mean, I, I think there's, you know, there's a I mean, I wouldn't say I don't know what percentage I put on the chance because we're we're still so far off from the draft. The draft's you know four months away right now, but you know there's a chance they could be the top two players taken in the draft, or they could be the top two pitchers you know taken in the draft, even if they don't go one two. But I do just think when I see, I guess you know people ask me about them, like like they're they're both very good, but but that but they're. I would not say overhyped because they are very good, but you know I think one thing scouts would like to see from both guys coming into the year was let's have them throw more strikes. And, and even though they haven't faced you know you know you know they've faced basically mid-major competition, they both have seven walks and fifteen innings, and Jack Leiter's hit three guys, and you know Kumar's thrown some wild pitches. So I mean, yes, they both have given up one run and three starts to this point. But it is not like they're in the middle of SEC play. So I, I wouldn't say – I'm not saying pump the brakes because these guys could go, you know, at or near the top of the draft. I mean, right now, I, I can't see how either one of them would go outside the top five or ten picks. But it's not – we're not talking about Steven Strasburg and Mark Pryor and these guys are two of the, you know, very best college pitching prospects of all time. I, I wouldn't put them in that kind of category. And I think that's starting to happen a little bit from a fan perspective – um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we'll sort of wait and see. It's it's an encouraging start, especially, you know, they hadn't pitched in a year. So one, it's just good to see them out. And, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of the, like this non-conference schedule that's a little bit like a sp- spring training. Um, and so it's good to see that they're missing a lot of bats and they've been dominating, you know, not not you know top SEC opponents, as Jim pointed out. You know, uh, Rocker only walked one in his in his last start and went six innings. You know, so if that is the trend that he's heading in, that's a very very good sign. You know, Lighter walked three in his last start. Um, he, he's just not getting hit at all. Um, so it's it's encouraging. Let's sort of see where it goes. I'm not ready to anoint them one two. I'm not ready to anoint them Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer. Um, you know, but, uh, but it, it's, it's an encouraging start for the, you know, the best college pitching tandem in, in baseball currently. Yeah. So Kumar Rocker is number one on our top 100 draft prospects list that we put out back in December, uh, Jack Leiter number six, and there is another right-handed college pitcher sandwiched in between the two of them at number five. Jaden Hill of LSU, and he had a rough one uh, against Oral Roberts uh, a few days ago. A third of an inning, what was it, eight runs? I know Oral Roberts scored eight runs in the inning. Um, yeah, it was, it was you, know, it, you know, what's interesting is, I mean, from, from talking to people, I mean, he, you know, we're talking about with, with Jaden Hill, he's a guy who hasn't pitched a lot because he was hurt as a freshman, a little banged up, and then um, – and then, you know, just didn't have a season last year. So he, he hasn't pitched a lot. And he's a guy who his stuff is very comparable to Kumar Rockers. But he just did not command it at all against Oral Roberts. I mean, it wasn't like he was, you know, his stuff was down. He was throwing 90-91. And you're wondering, oh, is he hurt? What's going on? He just was leaning over the middle of the plate and it got whacked. I mean, he had pitched, I think, 10 scoreless innings up to that point. Um, again, small sample size. You're not in the hard ASCC play. And it's funny because, I mean, that kind of blew up all over Twitter 
I guess on Friday when that happened. And again, I would just say, look, <laughs> there's four months between now and the draft. SEC play has not started. That's the best, you know, best college baseball conference in the country. And how guys perform when they're facing top competition week after week is going to determine where these guys are going to go. Like I don't, the draft right now, if the draft for today would be crazy because most of the top college hitters are off to too slow or, or just okay starts. None of them are really tearing it up. So I, I, I think we're still talking about a, a just ton of uncertainty as to how the top of the draft plays out at this point. Yeah, Jim, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned that, uh, you know, the college hitters by and large have not gotten out to, to great starts. Uh, an exception. Uh, and he, he wasn't a guy who was necessarily thought, you know, coming in as top of the first round, but uh, one of the more intriguing guys is Sal Fralick in Boston College. Boston College has got a good program. They have a few guys who uh, we had, you know, pretty high up in our in our top 100, uh, and not all of them have gotten off to, to good starts, but Fralick has. He's hit 476 and slugged 857 so far. Uh, I know it's early, uh, but still, four homers, Walked as many times as he struck out. This is over, only over 42 at-bats. But, it, you know, for a Northeast guy, um, you know, people would be curious to see how he was going to come out of the gate. It stands out, especially in contrast to some of the other college hitters who have who've gotten off to, to slower starts. So uh, be curious to see where he ends up. He's, he's really, really interesting guy. Uh, you know, he's athletic. He plays the outfield. He's fiddled around playing on the dirt uh, over the over the summer in a smaller New England league. Uh, you know, if a team thinks that maybe he can play second base, uh, that, that makes him even more interesting. But the bat is, is certainly worth watching. All right. Let's wrap up this edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast with the mailbag. You can uh, always send your questions in. You can, I hope you're following us at, on Twitter at, at MLB Pipeline, also at Jim Callis MLB, at Jonathan Mayo. Uh, Jim and Jonathan always solicit questions on Twitter, and uh, we answer the questions here and or in our uh, inbox story. And last week, we got a question from one of our regular question submitters, and uh, we got one from another one this week, and Mike Sellers at P-U-K-32-E-L-L-E-R-S. He asks... If each MLB division put together an all-star team of its prospects and played against each other, which division would win? And uh, we've done some research, and we have the answer. A definitive answer. <laughs> I threw no. together a, a quick spreadsheet, and I, th- and I think Jonathan agreed with me when we were looking at this. The, the AL Central jumps out. I mean, you, you start with they've got the best first baseman in Andrew Vaughn, the best second baseman in Nick Madrigal, and the best third baseman in Spencer Torkelson. Um, and I think they've got the deepest pitching staff as well. I mean, you've got the, that, that Tigers, you know, big three of Tarek Skubal, Casey Mize, Matt Manning. But then you also have the Royals have the two lefties with Daniel Lynch and Asa Lacey. You have Tristan McKenzie who's already pitched well in the big leagues. Um, you could throw Royce Lewis. He's got to come back from the knee injury now at shortstop. You got an outfield with Riley Green, who I really like, Alex Karoloff, Trevor Larnick. You could throw Nolan Jones at DH. Uh, they don't have a top 100 catcher. But other than that, I, I felt like that's a pretty strong team, Jonathan. Yeah, no, I, that, that that's very strong. And it, it was interesting to see that uh, a couple people on Twitter had answered thinking that it had to be the AL Central. Um, and I'll just – to play devil's advocate, but also just to, you know, throw another opinion. I, I think the AL Central is probably the best, but I think that the AL East is not far off. Uh, not only do they have a top 100 catcher, they have the best catcher in Adley Rushman. Uh, and then uh, it's pretty deep. You know, remember we said earlier on the show that there are three top 10 farm systems from the AL East. So I think it stands to reason that this could be a pretty – pretty deep list. Now we do those farm system rankings, not only based on guys in the top 100. Uh, so, you know, it's a slightly different thing to compare, but you know, you, you've got Wander Franco and Adley Rushman on one team and just starting with that and throwing Jason Dominguez and uh, you know, we'll make Harold Reynolds happy, Randy Rosarina. Um, you know, this, you know, this, this is a pretty good, this is a pretty good, uh, 
lineup right here that I think that that you that you have there the power hitters from Boston, interesting casts and, and Bobby Dahlbeck. So uh, you know, I'd like to see a, like a seven game series between the AL East and the AL Central. I think it'd be fun. Did you say that we're going to make Harold Reynolds happy? Oh, Danny. This is Harold Reynolds, and I listen to MLB Pipeline Podcast to get all my hardcore prospect info. Which is better, a dude or a guy? Um, I just use dude. I, I think dude, uh, dude outranks guy in terms of prospecty goodness. Okay. Good to know. Let's do a top three list of prospecty goodness names. Dude, guy, prospect. Is that that's the order? Dude, guy, prospect. I think it would be dude, guy, body. Like body would indicate that you're in the trade but you don't have much value. That's a huge drop off, though. I think. Like dude and guy are like that. They're some. Well, if we only get three of them, you get you have to have something reserved for the guys who aren't really prospects. Well, like if if I'm calling a guy a prospect, like maybe he's not really a prospect. Guys, Randy Rosarena is the number one dude. I mean, come on. Anyway, listen to MLB Pipeline podcast for all your hard-hitting prospect, draft, and dude coverage every week, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Very nice. That's outstanding. What a great dude, Harold Reynolds. Asked him, asked him to do that. I think he did it probably on set, in between segments put that together for us but i jim did you did you ask this question did, did he slight us when he when he threw it back with guys yeah we're just guys know- yeah that's yeah, fair that's because we don't have randy rosarina number one on the top 100 we've we're, we're lower on harold's top 100 list of prospect evaluators we've, we've slid down that list now was harold a dude or a guy well, I don't remember Harold as a prospect per se, but he, he obviously had a, a very, very long major league had, career. So he turned out to be a dude. Yeah, I, he was probably a guy. If I had to guess, he probably was a guy. I, I want to well, I, I say, he, I think he was like the number two overall pick in the January draft when he came out of, of college. Um, but I, it, that was hmm. – I, I know I'm old, but when Harold was drafted, I was, I think, 12 – and there wasn't an internet, and I don't think Baseball America existed, so I couldn't really follow prospects. Yeah, Harold. I'm You're just forcing us even further down on Harold's dude guy list. By well, the you way, know, I'm but... looking at Harold. Harold would have probably been a Harold probably would have been a guy because his minor league ops was was seven sixty two. He you know yeah. respectable, not a lot of power, but he he wasn't you know putting up huge numbers. Hit two ninety eight in the minors. So I'm going to say Harold was probably a guy rather than a dude coming who, out who ended up being a dude. Yeah. He, not a body. No, no. no, he was number two overall pick in the in the January draft. Danny, come on, you're you're a big fan of the January draft back in the day. I just wanted to say body top five draft. Uh, Danny, tell Jim how old you were when Jim was twelve. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who was the number one overall pick? Oh, the year? No, oh, here we go. In the January pop quiz, before we're done, Who was the number one overall pick in the nineteen eighty? Secondary phase of the June draft. Harold was number two. What year? Uh, so I was wrong. Harold Harold came out of the secondary phase of the June draft in 1980, not the January draft. Secondary oh, phase. I got to reevaluate everything now. I know. The the, the the number. So he was the number two pick. The number one overall pick did play in the big leagues, but did not enjoy Harold's career. Pitcher or hitter? A uh, pitcher. From Oral Roberts. So we'll tie that back into Jaden Hill. Oral Roberts getting mentioned a second time on the podcast today. Who was it? Jeff Heathcock. Yeah. We Come on, guys. It. I mean, if you'd given me three more minutes to try to look it up and pretend like I knew, I would have done that, but no. All right. That's going to be a wrap for this week's Please. podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have a suggestion, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. We'll see you all next week. Trying to look real quick to see if we ever ranked Harold. Harold was number nine on our 1983 Baseball America Top 10 for the Mariners. Our top 10, we, we, we will have to come back and revisit this. In our, I think they first did their first top 10s in 83. He was number nine in 83 and number eight in 85. 83 top 10 was Darnell Coles, Ricky Nelson, Matt Young, Edwin Nunez, Mark Langston, Alvin Davis, Danell Nixon, Al Chambers, Harold Reynolds, and then Phil Bradley.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.